there are people that are in rural Appalachia that need to hear the gospel. And not only that, I think in this area where we live, there's a pretty consistent presentation of the gospel, but there is little to no discipleship. From Tri-State Bible College and the Appalachian Ministry Institute, this is the Level Paths Podcast. My name is Chris Weigel, and we're glad you've taken some time to join us. The idea of planting a church is a notion that has been around since the beginnings of the New Testament. When the gospel needs of a geographic or socioeconomic people group arise, God will call a person or several people from within or even from outside to grow up a church in an area that needs it. On this Level Paths podcast, Rex Howe and Dr. Matt Shamlin are talking with three church planters from a wide swath of Appalachia. Pastor Chris Priestley from Morgantown, West Virginia, Pastor Jason Johnson from Pikeville, Kentucky, and Pastor Bobby Thomas from Tyler County, West Virginia. These three men will tell us what they've experienced as they've planted and continue to pastor churches in Appalachia. Here's Dr. Matt. We're talking about church planting in Appalachia today. We've got three of the finest church planters in Appalachia. I think that our audience will be blessed to hear their story. We've got experience. We've got diversity in place of planting. And I think that this is going to be one of our best, our finest podcasts. Guys, we're going to jump right in. As we're thinking about church planting in Appalachia, church planting is so key to evangelizing Appalachia, a very, very dark place. And we're going to flesh that out a little bit. So, Chris, you're in Morgantown, West Virginia. Yeah. What led you to be a church planter? That's a good question. I, I grew up in Lincoln County, West Virginia, which is in the sticks. I tell people, consider your worst stereotypes of West Virginia and then drive about 10 miles past that. That's where I'm from. And I grew up in that area, never heard of church planting. But then I met a guy, believe it or not, at a skate park. He owned a skate shop and all the kids after school would hang out at that skate shop. And he was like a dad to them. Problem was he wasn't a very good dad. And when I saw that, I was thinking, man, I want to do that, but as a spiritual father. And my dad had been a pastor. His dad was a circuit riding preacher. I wanted to share the gospel with people who'd never been to church. My wife and I, we moved to Morgantown. We helped to plant a church there. I started in a picnic shelter with just a handful of people preaching the gospel. Our aim was to see the gospel bear fruit and grow and to love the city, but to be unapologetically tethered to the truth. And so it was a circuitous path to getting there, but God's been faithful to us through it. At the time, I was a teenager in Charleston, West Virginia. And the first thing I did was I told my dad and uh, he tried to talk me out of it. Told me afterwards, he said, if the Lord's really called you to something of this degree, nobody would be able to talk you out of it. From the scriptures, I saw God's call. We started uh, Crossroads Church. And the aim and the hope was we wanted to be unconditionally loving of the people in the city and unapologetically tethered to the word. Um, we love Jesus. We love our city. We want the two to meet. And so that was about 12 years ago. And since then, we've planted a, a second church down in Fairmont, West Virginia. And the aim and hope is to continue to see new gospel works planted as people meet Jesus, new pastors installed, new churches planted. Brother, it's always exciting to hear your story. Jason Johnson, you're just outside of Pikeville, Kentucky, is the way it's said in Eastern Kentucky. Tell us your story. It's kind of a, an interesting story because where we planted uh, is about two miles from where I grew up, the house that I grew up in. 
we're not a true church plant, but not a, not a replant either. It would still be considered a church plant because there was a mission church that was there for some 40 years, but it never became an autonomous church. That work that they had uh, in that area closed after about 40 years. And so that's the location where we planted the church. I understand that that mission church, and there's been different terminologies for that, but that mission church is where I went to vacation Bible school as a kid and had a huge impact on my life. But I knew that church planting was something that God was calling me to do. In fact, I'll never forget, uh, this was just after my time in West Virginia, and I called the director of missions at that time, and I said, I believe, uh, brother, I believe that God is calling me to plant a church in my hometown. And he said, well, we've got a bunch of churches here. We've got this church. We've got this church. He said, you know, we're, we're thinking about a cowboy church. Well, I don't know if you've been to Pikeville or not, but we don't have a lot of cowboys. <laughs> and uh, I mean, maybe a coal mining church or something along those lines. But I'll never forget that. It was one of those uh, relentless calls. I knew that God still had me. Eventually, that's what I was going to do. But it was a time of preparation. And I now looking back, I understand what God was doing. My time at Rose Hill, for instance, in, in Ashland, uh, it was a time of preparation for me. My time in Elkhorn City, Kentucky, which is a small town about 45 minutes from here, I passed her there just before we planted, was a time of preparation. And so God used that in a lot of, a lot of different ways to prepare me for where and when he was calling me. And so back in 2017, we launched services at Creekside Church, uh, which is in Pikeville, Kentucky. We uh, constituted as an autonomous church in 2019, so we are about to celebrate next year, next August, five years of ministry, and so the Lord has been very good to us. And now to uh, the godfather of church planting uh, is my friend Bobby Thomas. When Rex and I thought about talking about church planting in West Virginia, Bobby, yours was the first name that came to my mind. You've served so faithfully there, brother, for so long, and so tell us who you are, tell us the church you serve, and tell us your church planting story. Well, I'm Bobby Thomas, and the church I pastor is Indian Creek Southern Baptist Church. One time it was Muddy Creek Baptist Church, but we moved up the road one mile, so had to change it because we went to a different creek. The story of Indian Creek is unique. Church planter, if that title was to be over my life, it would be by the fact of almost like default in a way, because I never even knew what that word meant. When I was planting in Indian Creek, I had uh, taken a call in a ministry a year or so earlier prior to planting in Indian Creek, and I was teaching in a church. And all of a sudden, our director of missions approached me about planting a church in Tyler County because it had not a Southern Baptist work in my end of the county. And I didn't know what that meant. I had no understanding what a church planter was, how to plant a church. I had two things in my life. I had a prayer life and I had faith. And I just knew from what I had experienced through Christ saving me and the work he'd done in my life that nothing was impossible. And I remember um, I just went out looking for a building. Me and my wife ended up six miles from our home and found this little old building. And uh, the story began in 1998. We actually met in the early part of 98 and began just praying for like three months before we ever uh, launched. We launched. I was uh, not licensed. I was not ordained. Again, I had only preached maybe five messages at that time, but God just got a hold of my life. And I knew, as Chris said, there was a desire for the gospel to be preached in our areas. And, and I knew that the lost souls you know, needed to hear that message. And I know what Christ had done in my life. And being a boy from that area, 
you know, obviously I, I knew and understand the core values of demographics and uh, I was able to relate, I think, in, in that understanding. Well, anyways, not to take up all the time, we uh, launched and I remember the first service I was preaching and, but the first convert was a former Jehovah Witness. And I knew enough about that to know that, man, that is a work of God when the invitation was given and he came forward. And from that point on, it was like, I'll never forget our director of missions. He died about, uh, I believe, eight months after we launched. He said, Bobby, if you trust God, you will not believe how far he could take you. And in six months, we were looking at building a new facility, buying property, and we had $74 in our building fund. The whole mission board gave us $200 to start Indian Creek or at that time, Muddy Creek. And in six months, we were building. And since that, we have built four times. I started a Christian school. We have saw so many souls come to know Jesus Christ. So many called into ministry. Missionaries sent out of the church. Pastors sent out of the church. And I say this, I know in my life that there is nothing in my flesh that could cause this or make this happen. The things that are happening are beyond anything in my cap- that I'm capable of or even possible to do. And as Chris said, my dad didn't even believe in me. He told me, he said, what did God do? Jump out of a closet and say, Bobby, you're called to plant a church. I'll never forget that. But my dad today is a born again Christian and faithful serving in church now. So, you know, that's how the story you know worked out in, in his life. So to tell you the truth, Indian Creek is totally to the glory of God. It's a work of God. And I cannot give credit to myself. Uh, God used me, obviously, and has used me and continues to use me. But the people of Indian Creek, the church, has a tremendous story. They may say they have a good pastor, but he's only as good as those people that are behind him and serving alongside of him. And I have great people that, that love Christ and love the community and love to you know, see people be saved. Bobby, your heart for those people is evident. Your heart for your community is evident and your faithful service for there for almost 30 years now. This is what you do when you plant and you stay and you love and you invest in a community. When we look at the Testament, it's incredible. We see really the story of the Holy Spirit as he's pressing the gospel to the nations. The Apostle Paul, the most famous church planter in the New Testament, would go into a city center and it's in that from that city center that he would plant a church and he would plant that church through evangelism. That as evangelism took place, people came to faith in Christ and then the gospel was pressed forward. So that really brings us to our next question. Why does church planting matter? I think a huge one for me is simply because the glory of God matters. The mission of God matters. Numbers 14, 21 says the whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. Habakkuk 2.14 says the earth will be filled with knowledge of the glory of the Lord. So in between that lies the mission of God is his glory covers the earth, but not everybody knows it. And so he sent his people to proclaim that glory through Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection. That's our mission. That's why church planting matters. Excellent. Church planting, even in places that no one will ever know. When we think about Elkhorn City. Now, if you live in Kentucky, you know of Pikeville. Pikeville is a big city in eastern Kentucky, but if you're not from eastern Kentucky, you don't know about Pikeville, and you certainly don't know about really what we call the suburbs of Pikeville. That's just almost a a joke to think of the suburbs of Pike County, Kentucky. (laughs) Uh, Sistersville, you know, Sistersville, really there's not much in Sistersville. Uh, It's not far from Pittsburgh, and we think of these places where people are. 
And because people are there, then the image of God dwells there and the glory of God needs to be proclaimed there. And so church planting matters in an incredible way. What makes church planting in Appalachia unique? What's its challenges? What's its advantages? There's a title of a book called Big Things in Small Places. The truth of the matter is that God can do incredible things in a small location. Just like you said, there are people in Appalachia. Yes, we want to reach the cities. We want to reach the urban areas. But there are people that are in rural Appalachia that that need to hear the gospel. And not only that, you know, I, I think in this area where we live, there's a pretty consistent uh, presentation of the gospel, but there is little to no discipleship that happens in this area. Why is church planning important? That's because the majority of the churches are dying. And so because of that, we have churches that are absolutely making zero impact for the kingdom. Statistics show that church plans make the most because they are focused, they are missional, they have a vision, they are focused on what God has called them to do. That's why it's so, so important. But God can do incredible things. One of our prayers that we prayed at Creekside since almost the very beginning is this. God, do something so awesome through our church that only you could get the glory for it. We sometimes think of missions as something involving a trip overseas. But it sounds like church planting is also missions work, and it can happen just a couple miles away. When we come back... Pastors Chris, Jason, and Bobby will go into more detail about how God works with church plants in Appalachia. Coming up on March 24th, 2022 at Tri-State Bible College in South Point, Ohio, the Appalachian Ministry Conference, fulfilling your ministry in a post-COVID Appalachia. The keynote speaker is Dr. Tom Cheney, author of Church Revitalization in Rural America. This first ever Appalachian Ministry Conference will focus on engaging Christian ministry in Appalachia for God's glory in a world impacted by COVID-19. The day starts at 9 a.m. and includes breakout sessions, lunch, Q&A sessions, Appalachian storytelling, and of course, you'll hear from keynote speaker Dr. Tom Cheney, Rex Howe from Tri-State Bible College, and Matt Shamlin from the Appalachian Ministry Institute. Again, the Appalachian Ministry Conference is March 24th, 2022 at Tri-State Bible College in South Point, Ohio. To register, visit tsbc.edu and click on Apply Now or call 770-2520. There's unique challenges. I'm in West Virginia, and our state is losing a significant amount of population each year. There's an advancement strategy where young people get degrees and they move out of state in order to find jobs that will pay well. A lot of times that that same advancement mentality has crept into the church. And so ministry has become a, a stepping stone. You serve in West Virginia until you can get out, until you can move on to bigger and better things. I'm deeply encouraged by Francis Schaefer. He said, there's no little people in the kingdom of God and there are no little places. God doesn't have bigger and better things then creating for himself a people for his glory. And one of our aims is to overcome that challenge by planting deep roots in our state that aren't just leaving to where upward advancement is possible, 
to plant roots and be oaks of righteousness that, that restore the ruins with Jesus's gospel for the long haul. Bobby, what makes yeah. church planting unique in Appalachia? What's its challenges? What's its advantages? When you look at you know demographics in different areas, we're located in Blue, West Virginia, which there's a sign uh, right by the church, and then you go a quarter mile down the road, and there's the you know the other sign of incorporated. So it's very small. Most people don't realize, but West Virginia is a very community-based uh, family uh, style uh, community. So you just can't rush in and get in just because you know you want to plant a church. You have to build relationships. You have to invest. One thing I have found, you know, being a, a local is they're watching your life. And with church planning being in West Virginia, it's such a different mindset. You know, when you talk about church planning, people don't understand what that even means. You know, we have churches. Why do we need another church? Well, I mean, what's the definition of a church in our community versus the church that we're going to plant? You know, we're going to plant a church that is obviously gospel center, that is an outreach church, that is mission minded church, that's a church that is discipling and raising up believers in Christ. You know, it's the same thing when we planted uh, Indian Creek Christian School. People were wanting, why would we need a Christian school? You know, but those lives that we have in there, we're raising up pastors and missionaries and Christians that will go out and take the gospel, not only to the community, but to the world. I, I would say one of the biggest challenges is trying to become a family, trying to be invited into that home, trying to be accepted. Because once you get that inroad into that home, it ventures out because everybody's related. Everybody's a cousin, an uncle, and an aunt. And once you have that relationship, you have so many opportunities to open doors, to share the gospel, to win the loss to Christ. And then you're raising them up and they're winning their families. And it's an unbelievable evangelistic outreach tool to use relationship building and people don't really think of it that much. They think we're going out there. We have to proclaim from the corner of the, the, of the edge of the road that, you know, people to come. But when you're winning aunt and uncle, they're taking the gospel home and they're winning their family and bringing their family to church and, you know, raising their family up. So that's the biggest challenge I find is being real, being found to be godly and faithful because they're watching your lives and you got to be sold out. You have got to be sold out because they want somebody that's going to be there when they need them at midnight or when they need somebody you know, to help give them food or somebody to maybe even comfort them in the midst of a, of a tragedy. They want somebody. They just don't want a preacher. They want a pastor. Being a family community, if you can be that person, you have a very good chance of reaching those uh, people in Tyler County because that's what they're looking for, people that really care. So one of the challenges that you find in Appalachia is uh, the challenge of acceptance. What we've just heard is something incredible, that Bobby has taken that acceptance and demonstrated an authentic life that's been transformed by Christ. And from that, evangelism multiplies when a person comes to faith in Christ, they carry that gospel back yes. into home. That is incredibly insightful and is what we find that, or maybe we could say it this way, that organic evangelism that we find in the New Testament. What would you say to someone, a young man who's listening to the podcast and is thinking about what is that next step? He's sensing God's call to ministry, maybe sensing God's call, particularly the church planting. What would you say to him for that next step? Uh, one of the most important things for me when I started, I was way too young to be church planting and knew that. And so I wanted to find people further down the road that could 
assess my life, my ministry, my vision, provide coaching, that sort of thing. And it doesn't matter how old you are. I think uh, it's huge to be able to find someone that's already done it. And whether you're doing a residency or at least a phone call to get some coaching on how to go about it, especially if you don't live in the area where you're going to be planting is you want to get to know the people there to get the access into that community. But I'd say don't go it alone, but make sure you've got spiritual fathers, pastors around you that can affirm you and send you from a church or send you with that support as you go into that space. I would say never underestimate God and his plan and his sovereignty. When I was pastoring the church in Elkhorn City, small town, wonderful church, having a great ministry, the Lord used several events uh, to get my attention. I literally was on my back because I had been uh, had been ill. So I had a lot of time to listen to the Lord. Every church planner doesn't get a, this is where you're supposed to be, or this is where you're supposed to be right off. That becomes clear maybe a little bit later down the road. But God made it very clear to me early on that this is the area that I was supposed to serve in. And so long story short, I knew that there had been a work in this area. And I knew that there was very little going on, if anything. And so I approached Pastor John Lucas, who is the pastor of First Baptist Pikeville, who owned the uh, the building that we, we meet in now. I said, John, I just want to meet with you. I said, I, I believe the Lord is speaking to me about coming and planting a church in this area. And he said, Jason, how long have you felt like this? How long have you felt like God is, I mean, really just on you? I mean, just like you really, this is what you have no choice. This is what you have to do. And I said, John, I felt like this for about six months. He said, that's interesting, Jason, because we've been praying for God to send someone to plant a church for six months. So don't ever underestimate God and his his plan and his sovereignty because he does have a plan and uh, he will reveal that in his, and let me say this again, in his time. To add to what Jason is saying, what comes to mind is give everything. I mean, to be a church planner, it is a tremendous, tremendous honor to be able to watch something that you have been a part of from the embryonic state to a mature state. It is such a sacrifice because you have to be so many things to be birthed, to get that to start. You have to make so many sacrifices. And not only do you pay, but many in your family pay as well, because it is a tremendous sacrifice, especially if you are beginning from the foundation. The second thing I think about is an investment. This is a long haul investment. Don't think that this is just a tenure of one or two years. It could be. But look at yourself as the man that's going to raise up the next person that will carry the torch for you. And it could be your son. It could be a friend. It could be one of the members in the church. But always prepare to build that person that's going to carry on what you have begun, just like Paul with Timothy. When your race is about to finish, make sure you're passing it on to somebody else that knows how to you know, continue to run the race that you're in. So it's an investment in a race. And, and I think a lot of pastors think, oh, because I'm a church planner, I, I've got to plant many more. You can plant from where you're at. You can stay like I'm an Indian Creek. You can stay there and plant and raise up church planters. I always thought I was going to plant more churches physically. And then I come to realize it's not what God's plan is. He wants me here. And he's going to use me to plant many more through my daughter who works as a missionary to unreached people groups and church planting. I've never dreamed that's how God would use me 
to train my daughter, disciple her, and one day she'd become a missionary to unreached people groups in a church planning, totally different than what I'm doing. So I would think give everything, invest. I think lastly, never underestimate God. When you think that there's no hope, nothing else can happen, good, don't give up. That's when the greatest things that I've ever experienced in ministry is just when I'm at the end where I think, how could this ever ever get any better? How could this ever change? Or how could this ever, you know, take off? When I get to that point and I really just abandon everything to God, that's when I get to see some of the greatest works of God. I say this, that I am blessed to have the privilege to be able to do what I have been gifted to do by God and be able to see things that men have never been able to see that have walked many, many years, maybe even longer than me because of the particular position that God put me in. So I take that as an honor. I don't brag about it in a sense of bragging in my own glory, but I, I can honestly say there are men, I'm sure with Chris, with Jason, that would look at us and say, wow, why can't I have that? Or why is that's never happened to me? We should never be that way as men. But I understand, you know, there's a uniqueness about church planning that some people just don't understand. And it is a tremendous honor to be able to see God do something from the foundation to a mature level. That is, you know, it's sacrifice. It's hard. It is not without pain. But at the end of the race, you know, our citizenship's in heaven. So I'm running knowing that, you know, one day I'll be able to see the rewards fully what Christ has for me. That's the type of encouragement that keeps us going and keeps anyone going, whether they be a pastor, whether they be a layman, whether they be a church planner. I just want to say, guys, as I've listened to you talk, our vision at Tri-State Bible College is for people to fulfill their ministries. And that word fulfill means to complete what remains. And yeah. what I hear from you all is a burden for the mission of God and the glory of God to complete what remains. And I'm just, I'm just so thankful for what you're doing in, in Appalachia, in the region that we love so much. It's incredible to think of the different backgrounds. Chris was preparing for a future in business. Jason, you were a band director. And now God's brought you all together as church planners in the various places that you find <laughs> yes. yourself and the call of God the way that he's used that. I'm so grateful for you, man. I'm grateful for the way that you have gone to the place where God has called you. You've planted yourself there. You've invested. Bobby, when we think of church planting, what would be your final word to that pastor, to that layman, to that one who knows that God is doing something in their life, but they're not sure exactly what it is? What would be your word for them? I think just be open to what God has before you. Be faithful for what he's given you. Be busy doing the Lord's kingdom building where you're at. If he can trust you, and we know from the scriptures, if he can trust us with the least, he will trust us with much. As I've learned in my own life, and this be for a young man, is your limitations becomes the greatness of God in your life. When you think that God can never use me or I can never do that, and you allow God to use those weaknesses, you get to see the strength of God. That is unbelievable and, and, and things that you've never dreamed. Of. I mean, and I say this, I mean, I remember when I was three, uh, in third grade and they told me I'd never learn to read and write. I remember telling me I would never succeed in life and all those things. And, 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 and I could listen to that voice, but they canceled out God, but I didn't. Well, I know 
what God can do. And I know if I will trust him and I will allow him to show me and walk in obedience to what he has, even if it's a small thing, that he will open up greater opportunities to greater things. When I took the call to ministry, I took the call to preach the gospel. And I was faithful of that. I, then I realized I was going to pastor. I began to be faithful to that. Then God's church planner. And I'm faithful to that. It's those steps. I just walked accordingly in obedience to the, what God put before me. And I think that is the only reason that I am where I am today is because I allowed him to show me and just did what he asked me to do as faithful as I could. Have I messed up? Yes. Have I not been perfect at things? Absolutely. And some of those things uh, I, I wish I could have done better at. But as I get older and more wise, I realize those things were stepping stones for me to where I am today. So I can give wisdom to younger men is this. If you will abandon yourself to God, there is nothing he cannot do in your life. Nothing. What incredible wisdom. I'm so thankful for this opportunity to spend this time with three of the finest church planners that I know. Different backgrounds, different places, different settings, different callings specifically, but we see that general same theme, that the glory of God may be known in that place where God's called them. Guys, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for spending this time as we got to share about church planning. I pray that God will use this in an incredible way. Uh, in the lives of others. Thank you, guys. Sometimes on the Not Alone podcast, it's good to simply take a few minutes to hear encouraging and straightforward words. On future Not Alone podcasts, Rex and Dr. Matt will dive into the mechanics and nuts and bolts on a wide range of topics, including church planting in Appalachia. But on this episode, we've heard from men of God who were clearly called to do a work, and we've witnessed the fact that God is clearly at work in Appalachia. If you'd like to learn more about church planting in Appalachia, you can do so by reaching out to the Appalachian Ministry Institute and Tri-State Bible College. Send Rex Howell an email at rex.howell at tsbc.edu, or you can email Dr. Matt Shamblin at matt.shamblin at tsbc.edu. The Level Paths Podcast is an outreach of Tri-State Bible College and the Appalachian Ministry Institute.